He loved you all, and one of the things he wanted to do was introduce this service. So, Welcome to the Message of Grace. This is C.J. Parkinson inviting you to spend the next 15 minutes with us as we search the Scriptures. The Message of Grace is a ministry of St. Louis Bible Fellowship, and our pastor is Rick Ousley. At Bible Fellowship, we preach Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. We stand firmly on the Word of God rightly divided, and we are committed to sharing the gospel of the grace of God. We're glad you're here with us today. And now, Pastor Rick. When we had our program, The Message of Grace over KSIV, uh, CJ did the opening and he did the closing. And he'll be doing the closing here in a few minutes also. So stay tuned for, for that. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Aren't you glad this morning that we have the assurance from God's Word that heaven awaits all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad of that this morning? Aren't you glad this morning that eternal life is ours to all those who put their faith and trust in Christ and what he accomplished on Calvary's cross? I am going to miss CJ, but here's the good news. I know that I'll see him again. See, his life is not over. As a matter of fact, truly, his life is just beginning. And on many occasions in, in talking with C.J., uh, there's a phrase that he'd always, he'd always say when we would be talking. He'd say, isn't that something? Isn't that something? Well, I can't help but believe right now that he is, he's walking on streets of gold. He's thinking, isn't this something? Isn't this something? And I can tell you this, regardless of the topic, I always learn something from CJ. I always learn something. Have a confession that when he would start talking about his number system, and number six and number seven, my eyes would glaze over, and I have no idea to this day what in the world he was talking about. So if you do understand, good, but I don't care. Uh, I do not understand what he was trying to say, but he would get so excited about it that I, I, I just, isn't that something? <laughs> isn't that something that I would say to CJ? But he, uh, he knew God's word. He was one of the most intelligent, one of the most humble men that I have ever had the joy of knowing. He would call me on the phone sometime, and he would call and he would say, is this Pastor Richard A. Owsley, who, who rightly divides the word of truth? And I'd say, you got him, brother, you got him. And we would talk for quite a bit. And like I said, I would learn so much from him. So much of our conversation centered on the study of the scriptures 
and the joy of discovering the truth about rightly dividing God's word and that mystery that was revealed to the Apostle Paul concerning this special dispensation, this dispensation of the grace of God. And he had say so often as we would get into detailed discussions, I, don't, I just don't see why people don't see this. I just don't understand why more people don't understand this. It just makes sense. And in his heart and his mind, he, he just believed firmly that rightly dividing the word of truth just opens up God's word and has it so that you can understand it. The first time that I ever met C.J. Uh, was at St. Louis Bread Company. They need to put a plaque up at St. Louis Bread Company for him. That definitely was his office, and he definitely ministered to there. Uh, there but I remember I got a phone call from C.J., and he had heard about us, as Dan said. Dan, how come you don't have a tie on? But anyway, that's... that's uh, <clears throat> and C.J. Uh, wanted to meet with me. He had heard about us, and so... We met at, at his office at St. Louis Bread Company, and Dan was there, and, and Joe Bauer, I think Joe was there, and I'm telling you, I was grilled by C.J. I mean, we talked about everything from rightly dividing to which translation, from free will to Calvinism. I mean, he wanted to know, what do you believe? Well, all these guys did. From a literal creation to theistic evolution, you don't believe that, do you? And it was intense. I don't remember being that grilled at my ordination, <laughs> truly. Uh, even to come to this church, I don't remember the, the initial uh, uh, getting together here at this church. Uh, Marge does, and Burl does, and a few others, Janet. But, boy, I, just, I really felt grilled at that meeting. It was intense, and I loved it. I loved it. I came to appreciate this sweet and affable and godly man. Many of you didn't know C.J. because he got sick and he wasn't able to, to be here the last few years of his life. But I'll tell you this, and then I'll get into the sermon. I was discouraged, extremely so, to the point of saying, God, maybe you want another man here to pastor this church. And I cried out to God, Lord, we're just not growing. We've just hit a, blank, a brick wall. And I cried out to God. God answered that prayer in C.J. Parkinson. Because when C.J. showed up, it's Gary and Dan and Rick and Victoria and Josh and on and on. You know, just getting the Watana Perutas here. That was good. And the Dressels. And you stop and you think about the number. And Tim Doty. Where would we be without Tim Doty? Back in the dark ages. And, and so many others. CJ came, came and so many others said, well, we'll check that church out too. And if I missed your name, you know that I love you and I appreciate you. But C.J. was a blessing to me personally. And so this morning, in order to honor C.J., I'm going to share with you for just a few moments 
why this church firmly believes that it's absolutely imperative that we rightly divide the word of truth and what that means as you study the scriptures. The main thing is we want to preach the gospel this morning and make sure you know that Jesus saves. But I want to share with you what was so important to CJ, that's so important to me, to the elders, to the deacons, and to so many other people that are part of St. Louis Bible Fellowship. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, tells us something that we are to do as students of the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we want to rightly divide the word of truth because God's word tells us to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen? But now just exactly what does that mean? I remember a story told one time about a frantic call to 911 that a guy's house was on fire and his house was going up in, in flames and, and the guy called and, to 911 and, and the dispatcher answered and the man says, my house is on fire, my house is on fire, my house is on fire. And the dispatcher calmly said, sir, tell me how to get to your house. And there was kind of a pause. And the guy said, well, don't you still have one of those big red trucks? Well, that's not exactly what the dispatcher meant. But see, sometimes people say things you don't really quite understand. And I'll explain, as, I'm, as you're leaving, I'll explain that joke to you if you didn't, didn't get it. But that's okay. Don't you still have one of those big red trucks? Anyway. So often the message that we relate is confusing. So often it's we say things, but people don't quite understand what it was that we said or what we mean by it. And that's no different when you study the Word of God. Uh, one group reads the same passage, and they don't quite understand it the way another group does it. And you often hear people say, well, the Bible just seems to have so many contradictions. Well, it doesn't. But it seems like it does if you don't do what? Rightly divide the word of truth. I remember several years ago, we had a guy that was around here. I haven't seen him here in a long time. But he came and, and uh, he would always show up at the end of the service. And he just says, I want to believe in the Lord Jesus, but I just can't because there are too many contradictions in the Scripture. And I'm going to run and talk to a bunch of pastors, but they just don't want to give me the time of day and won't answer my questions. And he said, I have this list of, it was like a hundred different questions, supposedly of contradictions. And, and I looked at the list, and I said, well, bro, uh, friend, he wasn't a brother, I said, friend, I, I'd be glad to sit down with you, and we'll talk about these seemingly contradictions nearly every one of them was a contradiction to him because he didn't rightly divide the word of truth you didn't separate you didn't precisely slice and distinguish between the church the body of christ that revelation of the mystery that time that we're living in now 
in God's prophetic program concerning the nation of Israel and the kingdom promises to Israel. So when God's word tells us that we are to rightly divide the word of truth, we need to understand that there is a proper division, and that division is not Old Testament, New Testament. That division is not from Genesis to Malachi, and you, you end it there, and then the New Testament is from Matthew to Revelation. You need to understand those are man-made divisions. But when the Bible says rightly divide, that's not what it's talking about. In order to rightly divide the word of truth, in order to answer the world when they say, look at all these contradictions, here's a whole list of them, yeah, now answer me this. Well, you do it, you can answer it when you rightly divide God's, God's word. Now, as we get into this, and, and knowing the time, we may not be able to finish it this Sunday, but we definitely will next Sunday if we don't. Uh, then we'll get back to Colossians. But 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us something about the Scripture also. So keep in mind, study to show thyself for proven to God, a woman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth in this Scripture. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-inspired. From Genesis to the book of Revelation, it is God's inerrant, perfect, complete Word. Amen? And every bit of it is for us. Say that with me. Every bit of it is for us. But not all of it is to us as members of the body of Christ. We need to remember that little phrase. All the scripture is for us, but it is not all to us. I remember when Faye and I were courting. Well, that was just yesterday. But I mean when we first started courting. We still court. Husbands, court your wives. But I remember before we were married, she went back to Montana. I went down to Alabama. And that was the longest five days of my, no, that was the longest summer of my life with her in Montana working and me in Alabama working and us planning on getting married and all of that. And I would write to Faye Every day. I've never done that in my life. But every day I wrote a letter, and you know what? She wrote a letter back to me. Or maybe I was writing back to her. Anyway, that doesn't matter. But anyway, the letters were being exchanged. And I was writing letters to her, and you, if I were to show you those letters, you, you still have those letters? Someplace. Yeah, I could show you those letters and there you could read them, and, and kind of get embarrassed maybe, but you would read them, and you, would, you could tell quite a few things about me, and about my character, and about who I am, and about our love for one another, 
and about the hopes and the aspirations. And there, was so, there is so much that you could tell about that letter, those letters that I had written to Faith. And she could share those with you, and you would go, ah, that is precious. That is sweet. But you know what? Those letters weren't written to you, right? They weren't. There are certain things that you could not take from that letter because they weren't written to you or about you, but you could tell a lot about it. And see, that's exactly what we need to do as we study the Scriptures and we rightly divide the Word of Truth is understand that from Genesis to Revelation, it is the inspired Word of God. It is absolutely for us, and there is so much that we can tell about who God is, about His character, about His attributes, and who He is, who we are, what His plans are for man. There, it's, it's all there. It's all there. But there is a specific part of the Scripture that is written to you, the body of Christ, that has absolutely everything to do with God's marching orders and everything to do with what God expects in this present dispensation. And those are those Pauline letters, 13 of them, that were written to you that tell to you, when I say you, I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ, this made up of Jew and Gentile with Christ as the glorified head. You are part of the body. Actually, you're part of the, the groom. You're part of that, the groom. You're part of the bridegroom. You're the body of Christ. And today in this present dispensation, when a person believes in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, you who are without hope, you who are alienated from God, you Gentile, when you believe, by grace, God saves you and he places you in the body of Christ and he seals you until the day of redemption. Do the same way. God's not working through a peculiar people. He is not working through a special nation. Today, he's going to again. But today, God is not dealing and working through nations. He's not working through the nation of Israel, his special nation. There were things that he said to them. There were promises he made to them about inheriting a kingdom, about uh, being a nation of priests, about all the promises of an earthly kingdom and the Messiah setting in, on a throne and, and, and ruling and reigning and the 12 apostles in Matthew 19 sitting on 12 thrones. All of those promises that God makes to Israel concerning an earthly kingdom not written to you, church, body of Christ. But you have to understand that the love letters to you have to do with your glorious position in Christ, seated in the heavenlies, a body that God is working through and using today. See, that's, when we talk about rightly dividing the word of truth, that's what we do, is we look at, we look at the part that uh, the scriptures that were to, to the church that the chief of sinners received the special revelation, revelation concerning what God was going to do through that which he has chosen to work through today, the church, his body. God chose to work through Israel and make promises to Israel, and those promises are going to be fulfilled. But one of the things that we find out through this 
apostle to the, to the Gentiles, as Paul, Paul of, Saul of Tarsus, is that temporarily God has blinded Israel. He has set them aside. He's not working through Israel today. He's working through the church, the body of Christ. And so as you get into God's Word, you find out that there are so many things, so many different differences that it comes across as contradictions when you don't rightly divide. One of the main contradictions is salvation. Salvation. What did, what did the Lord Jesus tell the rich young ruler in Luke 18? Verse 18, the, the, the rich young ruler came to Christ and said, uh, Master, what, what, do I, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Now, if you want to paraphrase that, what would that say? <laughs> Good Master, what do I need to do to be saved? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What did Christ say to him? Verse 19, Christ tells him, for him to keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. Well, Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good save one, and that's God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. He says, I know those. I've, I've, I know those. I've done that. Christ tells him, okay, then sell what you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the rich young ruler was sad because he had a lot of money, and he didn't want to do that. Now, when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. Lackest thou one thing to do what? To inherit eternal life. Sell all you have. Distribute to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Now, let me ask you a question. Tom comes up to me and he says, Pastor, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Guess what I'm not going to tell him he has to do to inherit eternal life? Go sell everything you have and then come follow me. See, it was a different dispensation. It was a, a different situation as God was speaking to the nation of Israel. You, and that was one of the things on this guy's list. Well, so what do you really need to do to be saved? Um, by the way, keeping the law, and Christ knew the guy had not kept the law because nobody can. Anybody here ever kept, anybody here ever sinned? Uh, has anybody here never sinned? Uh, that might be an easier question. No, because you all have. And if you've all sinned, then what, you, what does that mean you've done? You've broken the law. Christ tells them in Mark 16, 16, Whosoever believes and, and is baptized shall be saved. Well, believe what? Well, the verse right above that had to do with the kingdom and the Messiah and God's plan for the nation of Israel. Believe that he was the Messiah and, and, become, and be water baptized all the way through this Old Testament Water baptism was absolutely essential for the priests. They had to go through a ceremonial cleansing 
In order for a man to become a priest, there had to be that ceremonial washing. There had to be that ceremonial baptizing where it identified him as that priest. John the Baptist came preaching water baptism. Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. It was all tied to them becoming that nation of priests. It was all tied to them becoming that peculiar nation. Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sin. Second, I mean, uh, Acts 2.38. When they were convicted, Peter had just preached a dynamic sermon to you men of Judea, you men of Jerusalem, to the nation of Israel. He had just preached a dynamic sermon to them, and he laid on them the truth that you killed him, you crucified him, but guess what? He's alive. And when they heard that, they were pricked in their conscience, and they said, what must we do? And he said, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. See, that was all part, if you don't rightly divide, then you're going to bring those kingdom truths over here, and you're going to plop them down and say, okay, you have to be baptized to be saved. There are certain things you have to do to be saved. But in this present dispensation, what do you need to do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Anything else you need to do? No. Believe that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. There's absolutely no work. There's nothing else added to it. So if you don't rightly divide the word of truth, you're going to be confused. There's going to seem like there are contradictions. And our dear brother C.J., he knew that. Boy, and he stood for that. Clears up all the confusion on eternal security. When play, you know, we say, hey, we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies, that we have been sealed into the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Oh, do we teach uh, eternal security. Boy, we stand firm on that. But you go over to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, and it talks about if those that tasted of the heavenly gift, going back to Acts 2 and the coming of the Holy Spirit and the empowering of the Holy Spirit and the signs and wonders that took place during that time, if those people, if they turn and go away from that after they saw that power, if they, they experienced that power, if they turn and go back, there's no, there's no more repentance. There's, there's no more salvation for them. So what, what gives? Well, when you rightly divide the word of truth, it starts making sense. What about prayer? What about pray? John 14 tells us that whatever you ask the Father, Christ tells the disciples, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will think about it. Is that what the Scripture says? Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. He says it in, in John 14 uh, and 16, again, either 16 or 17. He says it again. He reiterates, where two of you are gathered together, I mean, where two of you agree as touching anything, touching anything, it shall be done of my Father. Now, I'm going to ask you, have any of you in faith, I mean, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, do you know how little a grain of mustard seed is? 
It's pretty tiny. Pretty tiny. Have any of you ever prayed earnestly for something that was really important and it didn't come to pass? Have you, two of you ever agreed as touching anything and it not happened? Did God lie to you? Or was that apostolic authority under a different dispensation, under a different promise, under a different authority? Christ told the apostles that they're going to have the power to do what? Forgive sins. And don't you come to me and ask me to forgive you. I mean, I can't. I can't. And no other man can either. But under that apostolic authority, they have the power to forgive sins. Whosoever sins you forgive, they're going to be forgiven. And if you don't forgive their sins, they're not forgiven. So do, what do we do? Do we take those scriptures and just say, well, they don't really belong there? <laughs> no, you don't do that. Do we take those scriptures and go, okay, no, he didn't really say that. Or do you rightly divide the word of truth and understand Different authority under different program. Well, here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship, we believe that we're under a different authority. Under different. Well, the sign gifts. Why did the sign gifts pass away? Why don't we speak in tongues? Why don't we have divine healing? Why, why isn't divine healing going on today? Why is it happening? There has been a change. One of these days we'll get into to that. Why are we meeting today? Why are we meeting today? Is today the Sabbath? I have a cousin, God bless her, I love her. And I know I talk about her quite a bit. Never mind, she's on Facebook. I know someone. I know someone. A lot of people that say today is the Sabbath. And today is the Lord's day. It's the Sabbath. And we need to all be in church. Today's not the Sabbath, folks. But I can show you scripture that said Israel was to observe the Sabbath. Matter of fact, Exodus 31 says that the Sabbath was made specifically for between God and Israel. And it has to do with his covenant and his requirement to them. Exodus 31. As a matter of fact, turn there. Just so. Look at Exodus 31. Oh, wow. Okay, Exodus 31. 16. Exodus 31, verse 16. Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So the Sabbath, why don't we worship on the Sabbath? By the way, we worship on what? The first day of the week, on Sunday. Because we're not under the law, we're under grace. Is that a change? One of the things, about not being under the law, and, then, and next week I'm going to get into we won't finish today. Uh, but next week, I want to get into the particulars. We're going, to, we're going to look at the Sabbath and coming together on the first day of the week and many of the distinctions that matter. 
Why do you rightly divide the word and the liberty and the joy that we have as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as being part of the bride, uh, uh, the, the, the bridegroom? We are part of the groom. We're going to show in Scripture where Israel is the wife of God. We are part of the bridegroom, the body of Christ. And you make that distinction. But what about tithing? Tithing under the law. As a matter of fact, Malachi 3 says, if you don't tithe, you're doing what? Stealing from God. If you don't tithe, you're stealing from God. But then Paul comes along and says, let every man give as he purposes in his own heart. And what was the tithe? 10%. 10%. Paul comes along and says, let every man as he purposes in his own heart, not out of necessity, not grudgingly, for God loves a cheerful giver. That sounds like a major difference between if you don't tithe 10% of your income, you're stealing from God to God. Let every man give as he purposes in, his own, purposes in his own heart. Now, understand, we're to give. We're to contribute to the work of the Lord. But under the law, if, if 10% was to be given, how much more under grace? How much more under grace? And we're under grace. And prayer, we're going to talk about this next week. Prayer. What, I started on prayer anyway a while ago, didn't I? Prayer, talk, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. If you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed and you say to that mountain, be moved. That mountain's going to be moved. And don't tell me you've never prayed for something just that big and it didn't happen. But see, under this present dispensation, we don't have that authority. But our prayer authority is this. In Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And what is God's promise? That he will answer it? He will do it? No, he'll give you that peace that passes understanding. As members of the body of Christ, we don't go up to God's throne and put in our nickels and our quarters and push which button we want and say, okay, we, okay that's, that's what we want and expect it to come flowing out. We don't have that apostolic authority that believers are going to have during the tribulation and they're certainly going to have during the kingdom when the kingdom is established and God's working and dealing through Israel again. But right now, when we pray, we can say, Lord, you've promised to give us that peace that passes understanding. Here is my prayer request. Here is the issue. Father, I come before you. Give me that peace that passes understanding that you have his promise on. And my God will supply all of your need according to his riches in glory is a promise we have for this present time. And you can just remind God of that, but we're going to be talking about some of those next week. Now that we've gotten started, I don't want to, I don't want to stop, but then we'll get back to Colossians. But I want to make sure we understand those distinctions that matter between God's prophetic program to the nation of Israel that 
he has put in abeyance in the church, the body of Christ, which we are. And we're going to talk about the word church. We're going to talk about the word church. That's instrumental in understanding this. So it's going to be fun as we look at that next week. So until then, Tim, CJ says. You've been listening to the Message of Grace, a ministry of St. Louis Bible Fellowship. Our church is located at 6234 Victoria Avenue in St. Louis. We welcome you and your family to come and worship with us. For more information, please visit our website at stlouisbiblefellowship.net. And now until next week, this is C.J. Parkinson reminding you that as believers, we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. And the congregation says, Amen. He's absolutely right.